It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vader's his father. They're allergic to water. She's her sister and her daughter. You watched it wrong. Hey everyone, I am so excited about today's episode. Well, sure, it's your it, movie. Uh, Listen, everyone, I, I need to talk to my co-host for a minute, okay? Come here. Okay. Uh, listeners, just pretend this is all in subtitles so that otherwise you wouldn't be able to understand us. Siggy, this episode is happening tonight. Right. We already started recording. Do you know why? Because it has to happen. We need it to happen. Understand? This is the last chance we have. Why didn't you tell me this before? And what would you have done? Well, there's quite a bit I could have done. I'm sorry, but uh, after tonight, I don't know if we can still talk about movies the way we want to talk about movies. Do you understand? Okay. Okay. Can you hand me the large pan over there? Uh, A sketch? Oh, no, Siggy. And that box of sound effects? Siggy, we don't have time to pre-record a sketch. This episode, it's an MP3, like a sound recording. And in it is said, all the most important things in the world. Well, if that isn't self-aggrandizing enough for you, then hello, this is Wade. And I'm Siggy, and welcome to You Watched It Wrong, the podcast where one of us picks a movie to talk about, because we want to know what the other one, our old-time friend of 25-plus years, thinks about that movie. And if they watch it differently than how we watched it, and we don't tell them they watched it wrong. Although maybe you did. And in this episode, it's been a long time coming. It's been on uh, something I've been looking forward to doing since we started this podcast. We are discussing one of my favorite all-time films, Big Night. On Completely by Coincidence, it's 25th anniversary. 25. I know. Exactly. Little Big Night is a little independent movie that was released 25 years ago in 1996. Became a touchstone for an entire genre of film, catapulted the careers of great actors, and still endures today in the minds of film and food lovers across the globe. So today, that's what we're talking about. But before we sink our teeth into the ass of life, let's play track marks. Okay, this is how it works. I think I've written it down this time, <laughs> so I think, <laughs> I think hopefully... It'll make sense to me when I read it now. (laughs) This is how the game is played. There often is a soundtrack album released of the original score composed for a movie. I'm going to read to Siggy the track names off of a particular motion picture soundtrack. Remember, this is the score, not the songs, just the score. And using the names as context clues, Siggy has to guess what the name of this movie is. And we don't even How know do. who names the tracks most of the time. Like, that's kind of right. an unanswered question. Is it the composer gets to do that? or Just like Danny Elfman or uh, James Horner. Do they the write music out? supervisor? Yeah. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. The label? Like, do they do it? Or like, whoever's who? producing the album? I mean, the author has to, the, 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 the music composer has to come up with some something to, like, signify which part of the movie this is. But it could be like Q47, like they, you know, (laughs) scene 23. We don't, we don't know what the, it says. Like, I don't, I'm not uh, privy. 
need a little research on that. Okay. Anyway, but I, however, once you when you buy the CD, the the tracks are there, and that's what we're going by. It's like how the author of a art a journalist hates how the editors choose the headline for their article, and it's never right. Whatever. Yeah, right. that kind of thing. Okay. No, no. We'll find out. Well, that'll be our you watched it wrong promise that we'll try to find out. <laughs> Well, Wade, you are okay. you are the uh, primo of this episode. You are the chef who have, okay. has paired the big night is the meal, and you have paired mm-hmm. it with our this aperitif. Is aperitif. Of, we said it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> or the vino, uh, vino tinto, yeah. vino blanco. I don't know, but uh, yeah. we'll find out. Could be the El, the, 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 the Zupa, you know, <laughs> All right, so this. Particular selection, I got a lot of tracks names. Um, I'm setting this at a part ten. Part ten. Oh just shit. Be, okay. Yeah. Are, are these be, in order? Are this in? These I, are not in order. Oh shit. Okay. These, that, these are these are these are generally in order. That makes it so much harder. Generally, okay. but there's a couple of things that I had to put at the end that were at the beginning. If there's one thing I've okay. learned in the course of this is that not having them in order really increases the degree of difficulty for me. Like, I need the order. Okay. Because I'm well, trying to make just like narrative way. sense of what I'm hearing. Gotcha. You're right. I, I structured this one in a way to where it, one after, like, at a part 10, at, I think around, par, around the ninth selection, you should be getting it. Well, that's like, what I've, part I've, 10, I've, I've that's just right what part there. 10 yeah, means. You're just... Is it? Oh, okay. You're just explaining part 10. <laughs> so when you speak into the microphone, which captures your voice, I'm, look, I'm host-splaining to you today. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not a golf person, so I didn't ever know what the word meant. I'm telling you what I, how I was using it. I don't know about you, but I use the spoon as a food delivery to my mouth. Am I playing against Colonel Bogey? That was a trivia question recently is... The original version of Par was your imaginary opponent, Colonel Bogey. That's who. Oh, we, so the that's who really? you are competing with. Is that why so that, Par uh, is like similar to what Colonel Bogey would have scored in this hole? It evolved into Par, but that was the original version. Is of it. that the same as etymological etym, et, etymological <laughs> origin as uh, the the stroke Bogey? He was a masturbator. Is, he would. <laughs> He really, really liked golf. He got very excited is about that, the game. Is that, is that how he rose to the ranks? You know, that's why... To Colonel? That's how they determined the circumference of the hole. Ah! Well, see, now it all makes sense. See, they just said that at the beginning, that this was a big wankers game, then I, all of this makes sense. I always assumed it was... Bogey was named after Bogart because golf... I don't know, but I realized Hollywood isn't the only place golf was played. There's... No, like Scotland, Scotland uh, is kind of... Yeah. Exactly. Sort of um, known for it, yeah. Kind of where it's from, huh? Yeah. So Colonel kind Bogey. Of, okay. Just a little bit. You know, uh, whenever we get right into track marks, we always immediately go off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we don't want to play it for some reason. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Right. Number one. Here we go. Track listing. Whew. I'm ready. Okay. San Bernardino. <gasps> uh, well, uh, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. No, but that's a great oh, guess. Okay, all right. Oh, wait, they're San oh. Dimas. Sorry, that's San Dimas. That's San Dimas. San right, Bernardino right, right, right. Beach Bums. That was a TV show. 
I don't know how many episodes there. Just giving you a kind of just. I don't think there was a feature version of that. I don't know if they got uh, to movie status. I'm just I'm I'm trying to like 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 bring you down a path. That's what this is is for. San Bernardino, we're in Southern California. I know that. Okay, all right, all right. Persistence. Oh, persistence. First taste. Uh, okay, we have a theme going here. I can I see it. Overnight sensation. Is this uh wait uh well this can't be God of Cookery because that doesn't take place in San Bernardino. All right. Believe it or not, I wanted to do God of Cookery and it could I uh, I couldn't find the soundtrack listing That's, for it. God of Cookery would be one of the fifty movies in my top ten of all time. So I will say, I will say, uh uh the one I was going to do for this show was going to be was this big night was actually my is my my eighth favorite film, but my second favorite film of this year. And so of the year uh, nineteen ninety six, not the year the year nineteen yeah right the year nineteen ninety six. And I wanted to do number one, and I wanted to do number three, which number three is God of Cookery. So like God of Cookery was uh, that's what I wanted to do, and I couldn't do it. Couldn't do number one because it's trackless and doesn't make any sense either. Your number so three favorite film this. of all time is God of Cookery. That's it. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Of 1996. Of oh, 96. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Big, big Night's my number two of 96. God of Cookery's number three. And then I thought, oh, well, I'll do number one of that year, which was Sling Blade. But Sling Blade didn't, it's, it's score listings don't make any sense. And you there's can't. French fried potatoes. Yeah. I mean, there's some cuisine right, exactly. and mustard. Right. So I didn't want to make any, it wouldn't make any sense. So I chose this one, and I actually think it's incredibly apropos. So let's okay. get back to it. First taste, Sanford overnight Hill. sensation, and we're not going oh. in order. Okay, not going in order. It's uh, kind of an order. Right. It's it's not out of order until the end. Hot I dog, not the movie, order. the hot dog movie. <laughs> You're getting warmer. Burger. Right, um, uh, what was the burger um, one? Good burger. Overnight sensation. Okay. Tennis court. The. Some fucking Woody Allen movie. That's not from 96. <laughs> I promise you it's not Woody Allen. All right, good. Uh, Flags and Steeples. Flags and Steeples? Well, that's not a combination you see all the time. No. Be Right One Time. Well, that sounds familiar, but I'm not... Uh, okay, go on. Crass Commercialism. Crass Commercial... Robocop. No, I, I don't know. Um, Number one... Multi mixer man, multi mixer. That does not sound for idiocracy. I don't know. Um, no, butt fuckers. No. Is that one of the track titles? <laughs> Franchise for America. Franchise for America. Is that what you said? Fran franchise for America. Franchise. Like franchise. I, I've got a we're, Domino's we're, local franchise of the chain. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Franchise for America. That uh So we're going back. Take us back here. Crash commercialism. Multi mixer man. Multi mixer man. Franchise for the America. Founder? Yes. Ah. The next one was the creation of the burger and then the arches. I got I beat par. Right, 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 oh yeah. right. You beat par, yeah. Oof. You did it. Nicely done. Now if yeah, if you'd I, gone in track order and you started with multi mixer man. Multi-Mixer Man was number two on the track yeah, listing, so I, I, go, I can't, okay. I gotta put that down. Yeah, if that was number two, then that, that, that would have been a big clue. Okay. It would have been San Bernardino, Multi-Mixer Man, Creation of the Burger, First Taste, or First Taste, then Creation of the Burger, yeah. Overnight Sensation, and it would have been like, okay, now that's, 
Uh, I started watching. See, I, I was I finished. I watched Big Night again last night, and I was, and then I decided to pop on the Founder after I was making this list, and I watched about forty minutes of it again before I went to sleep at about three a.m. and um, was really just hooked into it again. And his Flags and Steeples speech, I thought, was pretty. I didn't get it the first time. Flags and, and Steeples. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah, it's, he he's driving to see them again, and he's passing. They have this long montage of him passing church steeples and American flags and church steeples. And then he comes back to the McDonald's brothers and he's like, this could be the new church of America. You know, the place where the families all come and gather, we could take that as America's new kind of church. Um, anyway, why I, I was, I was sad. I couldn't get God of cookery for this game, but after I chose the founder, because I knew you had seen it. That was a good one. Yes, that helps. <laughs> so thank I you for realized, that. Yeah, I realized that the founder is kind of the anti-Big Night. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's exactly the founder kind of the opposite. like Pascal. He's... Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Except a little less talented... <laughs> Well, well, I don't know say that, but like, but like, yeah, it's like it's like following Pascal and his business is on the rise at the sacrifice of integrity. So, like, yeah, I thought, wow, what a great one to pair with this. And I was very excited about that. <laughs> okay, very nice, nice pairing. Good job. And uh, I'm happy because I I won. I feel good. It makes me feel smart. <laughs> you are smart, so you should well, feel that way. Thank you. Thank you. Reverse no. uh, free association is not often my <laughs> strong suit. So that is kind of what this game is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, before we give up and start selling hot dogs, uh, let's uh, take a quick break uh, before feasting on today's movie, Big Night. And we're back. So, 1996, Big Night. We were in college, and this was right about the time that, for me, I was beginning to feel like I started to have like a mature taste in, in film. I came into college with all my just, you know... I, no, no, let's say in 96, I still had youthful... <laughs> filmic taste giddy, naive uh, giddy excitement giddy, yeah. giddy excitement like while well, everyone was talking about Antonioni I was like but Don Knotts and Tim Conway they they run value I you know I started you know you get intimidated you get all this stuff and you try to defiantly you know you're trying to figure out who you are and I think I was start finally discovering who I was how I saw film and what the kind of things I was interested in seeing and Big Night had a huge impact on me I saw it in the theater that when it came out, and I remember, I remember being drawn to it, to see it, and I don't really know why. Um, I knew of Tony, I uh, knew of Stanley Tucci. I knew he was on Murder One, but I didn't watch Murder One. I knew Tony Shalhoub was on Wings, but I didn't watch Wings. Hmm. And uh, I think I don't know if maybe it was Minnie Driver and Ian Home or Isabella Rossellini or what the pull was for me to see it. Or if it was just I know, was seeing the buzz and hearing the, um, and wondering how seeing Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott, who that combination threw me. I I never actually knew until yesterday. Um, I never really did a lot of re- uh, trivia research on this movie until yesterday, and I never really knew how they came to make this movie together. 
having yeah, I assume they were having been your friend at the time, I'm just going to say it looking like an actor's movie probably drew yeah. you to it. Yeah, that would be enough. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, and it and it absolutely is. Um, it's and I found out, you know, it was it was Stanley Tucci wrote this movie with his cousin uh, because he wanted to have a good part. You know, he's writing himself a role. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then he apparently he knew um, Campbell Scott since high school. They were basically us. You know, <laughs> except <laughs> so they made movies. <laughs> except they made movies, right? Exactly. So uh, we just talk about them. We're talking about theirs right now. So um, uh, I know it's 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 got a very like intimate, like we're we're a bunch of actors doing this. But the crazy part is, is usually actors' films feel like they're only looking at the performance and nothing else. They're not making strong filmic choices. They're not making. They're not playing with narrative in any way or whatever. And this movie on the surface to me feels like it fits that category. Like it's, they're just looking at performance. They're just looking at this, but the more it's got a very breezy feel to it. It feels very like, uh, I, I saw someone describe it as kind of like sitcom humor, which I, I can't, um, I, I can't deny them that opinion. I don't, I don't agree with it, but I, I certainly can see it. Hmm. But, um, wasn't my impression, but okay. Wasn't yours. It wasn't mine either. But it does have a very breezy feel to it. But the more I watch it and the more that um, I'm paying attention to what it's doing narratively and what it's doing cinematically, I am astounded how just like a, like, like a great meal, how it just kind of, I, I don't even notice all that stuff. It just, uh, consciously, I just, it just goes down so wonderfully. And uh, I love this movie with all my heart and I can't wait to hear what you think of it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I did not see it in 1996. In fact, I saw it for the first time last night. So 24 hours ago, I was watching this movie. And I knew how much you loved this movie. And I've always been a little bit afraid to see it. <laughs> um, just because, like, it didn't, like, the promotional materials, whatever, like, didn't draw me to it in the same way. And those kind of, like, actors movies like aren't my like that's not a draw for me usually and um things that feel Mm -hmm. like you know uh dramatic workshops on film like don't like usually excite me overall i liked it okay overall i thought it was a good movie you you reminded me uh before we started recording that that i've been talked about this one since the beginning of our podcast but i've only really got the bug up my butt to do it after i saw your letterbox list of my fin- friend's favorite movies that I haven't seen, and I saw it was on there, and I go, ooh, I think that's me. No, it's, it's <laughs> friend's favorite films I haven't feud. Oh, yeah. I had to <laughs> keep right. up I the like letter that. F. Keep, um, keep that up. Yeah. It's a ridiculous And then I, de- I decided I was misusing this podcast, that I was trying to find interesting films or current films in the zeitgeist to talk about when I should be using this content podcast to make you see all the films that I want to make you see. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't do it the way you used to. Which I can't do it the way I used to anymore, but I now have this whole venue. You're so, yeah, I'm in doing your it wrong. apartment or like on an escalator <laughs> at the Mall in Glendale. We've <laughs> talked about this on the show before, as you would tell me. Uh, <laughs> we talked about it at my birthday party. I don't know if we told yeah. that story. About the time, oh, right, right, right. About the time you uh, uh, had me and Seymour at the mall in Glendale, like, Hey, come to the mall. I'm gonna, we're going to go. So they have a Cold Stone Creamery. That was a new thing. Like, we were going to go to the Cold Stone Creamery and get uh, waffle cones and uh, have them sing the song when we tip them. 
And, uh, oh, this is fun. And like, hey, there's something. And then Wade is like, there's something up here at the at this upper level we should go see. And so we get on the escalator and like, what is up? And we're like, we're trying to make chit-chat. Like, we're having a good time. And Wade's like, there's something uh, uh, here. Uh, I, I bought. Uh, and you start handing us the movie tickets you had already bought for um, <laughs> Albert Brooks's The Muse. Because this is when you were going to show us that Albert Brooks was funny when knowing that Seymour and I don't like Albert Brooks. But this is how you were going to change yeah. our mind. Was this by, is how I was going to try. Yeah, yeah. By surprising us with the fact that the next two hours of our evening was going to be spent watching an Albert Brooks movie. I was young, the dumb, movies. and full of shit. <laughs> So I don't know. Have I have I have I apologized enough for that yet? <laughs> Apparently not. Because also at like the same time, the entire t- second half of the movie, I think, was probably you apologizing and drowning out the the dialogue, which was just fine. That was a, not a problem. Yeah, it was. That was one of the most painful. I did it to myself. It was one of the most painful experiences I'd ever had in the movie theater. Uh, I did it to myself. It was. It's like watching your best friend do heroin, and then I brought all my other friends to watch him do it too, <laughs> and uh, it was not good. Albert oh. Brooks being your best friend so, in that in that analogy in that scenario, right? Exactly because I I I really uh, I because really you chose him I over me. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yeah. I'm not. I won't. Uh, I won't deny that. <laughs> but so anyway, so then when I I saw that, I go okay, back to my old tricks. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put this in the show, so we can. Do it. But I was also worried because I I thought this is one of those movies that I could easily turn into an episode of the Chris Farley show and just say, <laughs> you know, remember this? This is great. And like, that's a great podcast right there. Yeah, I will say I I I will say one scene that I always think about. I, I don't know why I'm starting here. I have no idea why I'm starting here because it's not the place to start. Got to start but somewhere. When I think of when I think of Big Night, one of the scenes that sticks in my head as being so tr- just real, like frighteningly real, is when he's chopping egg, when Stanley, uh, Secondo is chopping eggplant in the kitchen after having an argument. Yeah. Um, and Phyllis is in there and he, she too says, thick. I, I did it. I just, Those slices are I, too just too thick. thick. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's the way he told me to do it, which in a way kind of mirrors his uh, primo's criticism in the first scene where he goes, don't, and he's right though. He's like, don't, don't cut it too thin, the garlic too thin. You cut it too thin. That's all you taste is the garlic. And I love those little brotherly things of like, he tastes it and goes, Hmm. And he speaks in Italian. Secundo is trying to get him to become American. So just says, what? So he goes, yeah, more salt. And he's like, no. And then Primo puts more salt in. <laughs> just all these little like brotherly things that are just so, so small and yet so, so crushing for someone in that lifelong relationship. So can I tell you why that, that moment, since you highlighted it, uh, was yeah. a little weird for me? Why? Okay. So uh, we, we open with the, they're getting ready to open the restaurant 
And right. uh, Secundo, Stanley Tucci, is like checking out. He's straightening the tables. He shims mm-hmm. the table that's rickety. I really appreciate He's got that. shims ready. I yeah. can't tell you how many restaurant tables I've shimmied. Right. I've shimmed, not shimmied. I've shimmed them because they have a <laughs> shimmy. I don't want them to shimmy. <laughs> so you remove a shimmy sure. with a shim. It's kind of right. strange. Um, so take I'm a shim, like, take out the shimmy. So immediately I'm like, I have respect for this guy. He shims yeah. his tables. That's great. Uh, you know, it gets everything he cares, just so... He cares about... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, like, after fussing with, uh, with, the, with the decor and with the atmosphere in, in a, a good way, to roll his eyes at his brother fussing over the, the flavor of the dish, yeah. it felt a little <laughs> discordant to me, I, uh-huh. I'll be honest. Like, I oh, yeah? Yeah. Like I even like went back I, and like did it? Did I see that right? Did he eye roll at that? Because that just seemed like kind of a character for right. him too. I don't know. That was a big. You're right. That was a big eye roll. But the the thing is, as you go through the movie and as you repeat viewings, kind of get get sit in. Like when he's talking to the bank officer and he's talking to all the he's in Pascal and everything. He's Secundo is a a, a great chef. Primo is a brilliant chef. He's like. Secundo's kind of like the George Harrison to, their, to his Lennon and McCartney, right? <laughs> right. Right? And so, like, like he knows he'll, he's not as good. He knows his brother needs to be elevated and held high. But the impedance of his genius to Secundo's management is, uh, is, 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 is exhausting, you know? It's the dish like, has I'm to get out to the get, door. The dish has to, the get, dish out has the to get out the door. In fact, I never made this connection between the two movies now, but Stanley Tucci directed a movie a few years ago that I really liked called Final Portrait. Did you know about this movie? No. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Jeffrey Rush and uh, Tony Shalhoub and Army Hammer, and it's about uh, a guy that an artist sees... Uh, Jeffrey Rush plays this artist, and he he has a conversation with Army Hammer, who's going to take a flight out of it, leave Italy, and he's like, "I want to do your portrait, so sit for a portrait for me." And so the artist, so he guy goes, "Okay, but I got to catch my flight." So he sits for a portrait, and he ends up staying three to four months because the artist is never satisfied with what he's done. And the guy's like, I have, the guy's a genius, but I have to get home. My family's waiting. My business is waiting. He's trying to conduct all this stuff, but he feels indebted to stay so he can get it right. Or maybe it's not a painting. Was it? No, it was a painting. Um, I was thinking of a sculpture for a second. The whole movie, I realize, is a love letter to producers because it's a movie about... The, the artist will never be happy. The artist will never be satisfied. You have to have a producer to get him to finish. Okay. And so, yeah. um, and so Big Night kind of has that same kind of thing too, where it's like, but it's more about the, 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 the tragic position that the administrator is in. You know, there's no business without the gene or artistry, but I got to get that plate on the table. I got to get money and customers in the place. I got to get the customers to come back if we want to build the business. Yeah, and and we want they want spaghetti. (laughs) Got to give them spaghetti sometimes, right? Right, exactly. You know, which is a a hilarious. I remember when I I watched it alone, and then I watched started watching it with Carrie, and I was just giggling at everything out loud at what Primo says, 
But I was more, you know, you're kind of more with Secondo in those scenes because you're like, just just make it. But at the same time, once you get to know Primo, you're like, he's like, no, they have, you know, we're trying to do this the way we want to do it. We're trying to to ed- educate people and elevate them to know what, you know, um, good food really is. But like, okay, uh, I have marveled, and I and I went back and and I've I've watched again the the scene where they bring the seafood risotto to the customer, to the the woman the the couple sitting there. Yeah, that actress, her name is woman oh, credited on, as woman in yeah. restaurant, which doesn't. She's a she's a, a big theatrical act, a uh, uh, Broadway actress, and she's got a lot of credits. She's actually doing a lot more now. Even she's again my one of my nominations for. Uh, best performance in a minor role because she perfectly lays out the obnoxiousness of an American customer, the uh, uh, uneducated elitism of the American customer, but also the practicality of, well, why can't I have what I want? Right. You understand her too. Like I ordered seafood scallop, a seafood. I don't see any seafood in this, you know, because it's been made into a puree and it's been made into a thing and it's probably delicious, but it's so anti her expectations that she's genuinely disappointed and you can't blame her for it. But at the same time, you're like, but if you, if you could get over that, this is so much better. <laughs> Just try it. So I, I love her performance. I think Primo is a kind of a branding problem. Like they're not, they need to announce Absolutely. more to people what kind of restaurant they're, they're in. Yeah. And probably they need a better location. Like they need to be, you know, on the Jersey Shore isn't the right spot for what they're trying to do. Yeah. And certainly not across the street from the Buco de Beppo, you know, Pascal's kind of thing (laughs) across the street, right? Where it's like, great. As Albert Brooks would say, thank you. My my car looks like a turd now. (laughs) Thanks for showing me the BMW X there. Mine looks like, ugh. Sorry, I had to bring it back to Albert Brooks. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I, I I do love that scene because you know it's 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 showing that like we're do, it, I, you know me I love I always love it when both characters are wrong and right you know yeah. when when he's wrong and he's right and she's wrong and she's right I love it and so because this just sets up what the conflict they face and they don't know how to brand it right I I, I thought Pascal's restaurant looked like a fun spot coming out of the <laughs> coming out of the pandemic. Right. Like, yeah. if I had to pick one of those two restaurants, I'm going to Pascal's. Like, I want... <laughs> I'm a fan of kitsch anyway, so... Right. Like, the kitsch alone won't right. bother me. Like, maybe the food is terrible. But if that's where the people are laughing and, like, I like the... Like, um, yeah. Like, oh, they got live music in here? I want... Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, so I, Primo keeps saying they should just come for the food. They should just come for the food. And Secundo's right. He's like, yeah, yeah, they should, but they don't. And there is things, there is more of a, I mean, when they have their party, that's the kind of party I want to be in, when the party at the end of the thing. It's way better than, than Pascal's party. Pascal's party is very garish in a, uh, in a way, but, but it, that shows that, like, I'm creating an experience the food is so not secondary. It's secondary because whatever. We don't even really get to know how good Pascal's food is, other than what Primo characterizes it as. You know. Yeah, we're waiting. Um, we're right. We only have have Primo's. Uh, 
You know, and the fact that there's like a Tower of Pisa flambe is like sort right. of signaling <laughs> that the the flavor isn't the most important thing here. Um, uh, right, right, exactly. Yeah. But uh, right, it so, underlines the point. Like the fact that they throw a big party, like that's what gets people there is the fact that there's the right. party, you know. And maybe the have uh, the chance to meet uh, Louis Prima. Right. <laughs> but then, then they're dancing to Rosemary Clooney. So they, like they, you know... They they just yeah. have a good time and then they sit down and they and they have the best meal of their lives. But they they came for the company. Exactly, exactly. Because you can't say this is the best meal of your life and then you're gonna get it. You know that you come for something else. And like that's just the way. And if the food is good, then you. But come that's back. not how Primo sees it. That's and, not and how Primo. That's not Primo's worldview. That's view. not how. Exactly. You know, I wrote down in my I wrote so down like, in my notes monks, priests, and Philistines, and it wasn't until later I realized that. Um, Tony Shalhoub plays a character named Monk. <laughs> Later on, I'm like, wow, I was really accidentally clever when I wrote that down. <laughs> but this, 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 is, this was my take on, on the movie, if I may. Um, and so, so Primo is very first person. He's like very, he's very inwardly mm-hmm. focused. He is like a monk who, uh, if, if good food or if knowledge of God is the bread of angels then food is like his meditation of the divine, right? And he's like a monk studying right. it back in his kitchen. He's like my sister-in-law. It's personal, it's spiritual. You know, my it's sister-in-law everything. was super into food. It was like her favorite thing was studying cuisine. And she would throw these elaborate parties, elaborate food-wise, where she'd be like, I'm doing um, Hungarian cuisine from the 1500s. From the 1550s, you know. This is like right out of the ref. And so, and so she she'd prepare for like a week for this one meal. Wow. And then you'd you'd show up and everybody would be looking forward to it, and you know we'd be hearing because this is Seymour's uh, sister, so we'd be hearing all the everything she went to to get the ingredients just right and do all the preparations yeah. days in advance. And then we show up and we eat it, and she never once once it hit the table. She did not care how you liked the meal. What mattered to her was that she completed wow. it the way it was supposed to com- be completed, and she would never like asked how anybody liked it, and she could not have cared less. Like she knew she either got it right or got it wrong, and that was all that mattered. And that's that. That's like Primo. Huh. Primo reminds me of her. I told her like your career should be like an exclusive caterer to parties, and like your your brand is you have no say. Like you tell me. You tell me what the occasion is and if there's any food allergies, how many people are going to be there and how many food allergies. And that's it. Like, you know, and otherwise I get no input and that's your brand. You're like, you right, show up right. and, and they find out what you're serving them that day. Cause she would not be interested in taking right. any input. She would have zero interest. I'm like, you know, that should be your catering business. Like you're super exclusive. You do like one date a month. Right, you know, right. <laughs> you get what you get, and that's what you, you're paying for the lack yeah. of input, right? And so, contrast with Secundo, who's um, uh, well, Pascal is very second person. I do whatever you want, right? I I'm not anybody. I'm whatever I need to be in the second. Whatever you need, that's what I'll be in he, that moment because I'm just about um, you know uh, scratching your itch, whatever that is, right? Yeah, he's got no stake in what he's giving you as long as you are giving happy to give him your money. Yeah. That's 
what his yeah. thing is. He, he he he's not even really he's not even really after the val- the happiness of the customer, but he knows the happiness of the customer. He's will selling bring him hap- more money. He's, he's selling that feeling. Return money. Yeah, he's selling how. Yeah, he's selling that feeling. So he needs to make sure they're happy. And 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 you know, again, this is another thing where the villain is kind of right. The antagonist, rather, is kind of right. Like he lays it all out. You know, he says, "Give the people what they want, and then you can tell them what you want, what what you want." And then he cho- you know, he talks about how you get Humphrey Bogart to come to your place. And it's like, yeah, that's actually all, that's all right. <laughs> He's correct. Tommy you know? Bogart never came he to someone that was, feel he good. That they that signed autograph. He didn't. Yeah, he bought that line at Sinker. Yeah, exactly. And you can tell it on his face. He's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he points at it with his foot. Right. <laughs> his, his foot, cloven, right, yeah. His cloven foot being the devil. His cloven his foot. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and, and Secundo has a, Secundo isn't really... Focused on those uh, people's experiences, well, either. Well, Secundo doesn't know part. what he wants, but Phyllis tells him that's the that's the theme wants. of the movie. Secundo, you don't know what you want. Yeah, right. right. And and no, Primo, no. Do, and that's, Primo that's doesn't care I, what anybody wants. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't know what yeah. other people want. You know, he doesn't care. There's a great. There's a um, fantastic. Uh, uh, well, I thought of something today. Every time that Primo wants somebody to stay, like or to keep stay in his circle to talk to him, he asks questions, like what what book are you reading, or or what movie are you going to go see, like that's what he does to keep people to stay near him. Secundo tries to keep people around him by telling them how they feel. Right? He tries to tell them. He's not asking any question. Right? He's just. He's just saying it's not right for you, and I, that date scene where she's in the back seat of their car—that's my favorite scene in the movie. I think this is Minnie Driver's probably her. her she's so her good best in that scene. She's I've a, ever seen. She's she, excellent in that scene. She's yeah. so good. Do you remember how we talked about Odessa Young in Shirley being like someone who captured the era of her time, but never, but also felt like a fully uh, engaged person who was engaged with their own agency and their own sexuality and their own. Everything. I think Minnie Driver does that here too. I, I sometimes, I first on first reading, I thought she didn't fit with the period, but her characterization, all her reactions to when he's telling her how to feel, those little micro kind of things, and then all her reactions, and, and also they're all they're all beautiful. I love her so much in this movie. She's, um, and I want to talk about her final scene also later, um, but all her scenes are fantastic. I really only remembered because she has that line where, where he goes, where he, she says, it's about money if you want to know. And I know you don't understand. And she goes, I understand about money. I work in a bank. <laughs> yeah. That's why she's great but in that scene. She, she, I forgot. she sees right through him. She knows his whole deal. And she just has yeah. to let him vent his little silly thing when she's already told him what the, what the deal is. You know, you don't know what you want. Right. And then he's trying to tell her, no, I do what I want or I, I do know what I want or whatever. And she's like, yeah, what? But it's complicated. Yeah, whatever. It's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Vent. I've already I've already figured then, you out, and yeah. I'm gonna have to wait for you to figure I've yourself already. out. Yeah. It's a great scene. I think you should show that scene to boys who start who want to start dating. <laughs> <laughs> you watch her be engaged. She's 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 tuned into every single thing he's doing, and then you can just watch her step back and step back and step back and step back. 
And by the end of it, she's against the window and she's like, yeah, it's pretty late. You know, right. <laughs> you know, and she's perfect. It's a, it's a, it's a perfect execution of that scene. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. I've always liked Mini Driver. I've always liked Mini Driver. I've yeah. always wanted to see her in a road movie with Winona Ryder. I always thought just a poster, Mini Driver behind the steering wheel. <laughs> Mini Driver. Winona Ryder in the passenger I, I seat. I was just literally thinking. <laughs> like big old smells. And their names, and of course, like the credits would be wrong, and so Winona Ryder's name would be above Minnie Driver, and <laughs> Minnie Driver's name would be above Winona Ryder in the poster because they, uh, they fuck, they fuck that up all the time. It always aggravates me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then back in the back would be Steve, motorcycle cop, following them. <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they get to the edge of the <laughs> municipal zone, uh, Pete Townsend greets <laughs> them. Thank very you. nice. You pulled that out a lot better than me. Very, very nice. This was my first time I put together that um, Mini Driver not only works in a bank, but she works in the bank that Secundo's got the loan from. Yeah. And she's a teller, and she tells him... And she's a teller. ...what his deal is. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so, like, but it makes me wonder, did he get involved with her initially for, simply for um, business purposes? Because he's seeing uh, Gabriella, presumably, for business purposes. To well, kind of keep a, that... These he's got t- a these little virgin horror thing going on with the, the two of them. He wants to keep Phyllis the virgin because yeah. he's got Isabella the horror. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it is really... I was First time I saw it, I was so, as a, as a young virgin myself, very... Uh, night, uh, what's wounded when I saw that her sitting on her uh, kitchen table and then Stanley Tucci walking in um, when they revealed that they are having an affair. And I was like, oh, it made me so sad for the first time I saw it. And, but, but, and, it, and so much so that in the beginning, in the first few viewings, I kind of felt like it was an unnecessary subplot because I was like, this is not something I want to see. Looking fine in her. Well into her forties. Yeah, God, oof. And she, um, um, yeah. More I watch that scene, that that post post coital scene. She's just, she's so alive and present and like flushed with life. Just does she feel yeah. <laughs> a little rosy in the cheeks? But, um, is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It was just, just uh, attuned. I guess I should say. Now I think that that it it that relationship sort of echoes how nothing in Secundo's life is genuine. Nothing he want. Nothing is what he wants. It's just all he's trying to play. He's trying to emulate um, what he thinks is the ways to get what he wants when he doesn't even really know what he wants. And and that might even be with his um, girlfriend. You know, being that being that she's a teller in that bank. By the way. Uh, this time I noticed that the guy, <clears throat> the guy playing the bank teller, the bank loan officer. Um, He's been in a bunch of stuff. I didn't recognize it? him, though. Yeah, and I really like that actor. He was, um, uh, he's uh, the priest in the Daredevil t- TV series. Oh, and I love, yeah. I loved him in that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And then seeing that, I'm like looking at the small part and going like, God, even the small parts, the small roles in this movie are so well realized. How he's just like, I, I, I don't want this to be uncomfortable, so I'm just going to cut to the chase. You're not paying Right. Bills. We're going to have to change the direction of this conversation. <laughs> We're not. Yeah, right away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're not going to have this. It's not because it's not going to be pretty yeah. when we get there. So, yeah, it was, it was, he's really good. And I also noticed that the color he's sitting weirdly in front of the open bank vault, <laughs> I guess to say that it's a bank. <laughs> <laughs> but in the in the master shot, he's got a a um, like a brown reddish brown wall with photos on it. And it looks exactly like Pascal's walls in his room. Mm. And then if you also notice that he's got a desk lamp on his desk that looks almost, it's not exactly the same, but it's in the same position and the same ridiculous width as Pascal's bag okay. uh, lamp, which I know we can both we want talk to talk about, about that, about that lamp? lamp. All right. <laughs> we can. Yes. Let's talk about the lamp. What, what the hell is okay. going on with the lamp? <laughs> well, I got the, lots to say the about lamp, the lamp. Like, but you, let's okay, hear you. Well, all right. So, um, so, Pascal standing in front of Paradise. His restaurant's name is Paradise. That's Paradiso. No, 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 no. Not Pascal's uh, restaurant. Sorry, uh, Secondo. Secondo's yeah. in front of his restaurant. Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Restaurant's Paradise, yeah. not Paradiso. Which Paradise. is... Which is fair. fair. You got a lot of people fair, know they're coming fair. for Italian cuisine. Come on. Come on, Secundo. Branding. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he's trying to be American. No, he's, he's trying not. not to be he's Italian. He's not. He's trying to leave Italian behind. He's, but he's, no, Primo's trying to bring Italian Italy there. But this is the, that is also a beautiful, that's also, you just pointed out another beautiful uh, discordant thing about why their business is failing. And I think very purposeful from the movie is that Secundo is trying to be American. He wants to leave the Italy behind. But their whole point of coming there is to bring Italy that's as its a, true that's self the, here. And they do it the way they want yeah. to do it. That, that, that's what, it, that's what right. the, the thing is. is you got to let people know what they're in for. Exactly. Yeah. But Secundo is trying to be American. He couldn't hire a, so a branding consultant. He didn't have the money. I, I understand. <laughs> he didn't have the money. That wasn't included in the, in the loan from Daredevil Priest. Okay. So he's standing in front of... <laughs> Paradise across the street is Pascal's, right? It's not named like right. Dante's, like they're not that on the nose. But he leaves, <laughs> he leaves Paradise. He goes across the street. We get the woozy camera angle, which is yeah. like really emphasizing the sensuousness, like uh, 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 of, yeah. of this place, but also like masking how few people there are in front of the restaurant because they don't have the extras, <laughs> making it feel busy without it looking. Right. Exactly. Okay, you go inside, red lights, you know, yeah, where, just, where are we now? We're not in paradise. We're in some place where everything's red and there's flambe flames shooting up. What does this mean? Yeah. I think I can figure it out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so now he's going to make right. his deal with the devil, right? Uh, he's exactly. trying to, he's trying to, he's asking for a loan. He went to, like you said, the, um, the, 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 and I didn't catch on that, but that's, there's a, I didn't either until the, the this set week. Dressing yeah. makes the rhyme. He goes to the bank to to sell a little bit of his soul for the loan. He has to go to Pascal to really sell like a big chunk of it to to get the loan from his enemy, from his. But he can't think of where else to go. Right. And during this conversation, we get not just like one shot of. <laughs> it's like half 
of the of a huge desk lamp obscuring Ian Holmes' face, but like shot reverse shot for like an entire conversation where where from from Secundo's point of view, this lamp is like obscuring the bottom half of it's like a big villainous mustache, except it's the size of a seven forty seven. <laughs> and then and then Secundo Stanley Tucci is shot from like the gap underneath the the light but he's like partially obscured mm-hmm. uh through through a gap in the desk lamp. And it's like sustained yeah. it feels like a long time that we're it, it's every time I see it it's longer than I thought it was. Yeah. And it's like what what's I don't have a theory developed about the, this extremely deliberate choice. Um that's it, it is it's it's yeah. a it's it's a surprisingly bold choice because like okay when I saw it in the theater for the first time this was the experience okay and the the audience ate it up the audience like it was funny like they were like, laughing what like yeah, yeah. the the whole time they start going uh uh, <laughs> uh uh and they start twitter they start twittering and then it starts getting it starts getting funnier and funnier and then fi- but not not it's not really it's not, it you just you just it's that kind of puzzled, like what? Why is this here? But with a okay. kind of smile, and then when when Ian Holmes slaps it down, the audience goes nuts. It's a nice moment. Yeah, we we all just laugh out loud. Like we're building this 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 contingent of just. But yet, what they're talking about is the themes and plots of the movie. But we're distracted because we're going, "What? Look at this fucking clip. And I never really thought about the symbolism of what the shape of the thing makes his head into. But like, so the first time I thought, I just thought it was a funny sight gag. That honestly, they ha- they really committed to because if that didn't yes. work, that's a sight. That's a sight gag that you just kind of should you kind of would do like the first two, three shots and then get it out of the way. But they it, keep coming back to it. It could have been one it. shot, like a camera move and like it gets out of the way and then you're on right. conventional framing. Yeah. I, I it, They do it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then they cut to a wide, which I wonder is a mistake or not when he's going, they cut to a, the master shot where he, where it looks like a talk show, weirdly. And he's going, um, you know, people, when they get to a hard day of life, the hard day of work, they look down and they, they don't want to say, what the fuck is this? They want to say, oh, a steak. I like steak. I know what I'm eating. Yeah. And then it cuts back to him in the close-up, and that's when he slaps it down. But like he sla- But the way I've read it this time is that... So it kind of gives you a reprieve for a second, and then it cuts back to that same shot. He's like, no, 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 we're done with this. <laughs> but... But the the thing that the thing that I'm thinking about it how it works thematically now is that Pascal is this big the shot is of is, is his big head the reverse shot is is Secundo just small barely seeing through these little the little bars of the thing yeah right and he's Pascal's obscured he's giving all this advice he's giving all this advice he's his 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 kind of mouth is obscured. And then when he slaps it down, then Secundo is obscured. So we're like, now it's like, then he slaps it down and says, give the people what they want. Uh, he's basically giving him the secret right there. Then you can give them what you want. And then Secundo is obscured for a, a little, as long as they're still there in this, in this uh, 
shot reverse shot because you don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to accept that or is he going to take it or is he going to eject it? What's he going to do? And so that's kind of what I think is going on there. But where it came from, I wonder if it just came from them trying to shoot around it and going, why is this here? Well, they could just move the lamp and be done with it. But then it gives this one other thing to play against them. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't tell you why it's a winner for me, but it is. Yeah. Well, here, here's all I got. There's something in between Secundo and Pascal, and Secundo acts like he doesn't see it. Yeah. But it's, but it's there. And there's something about his mouth being covered when he talks. And, and then when he says that one thing. And yeah. Pascal is uh, obscuring his intentions. intentions, But not very he's well. A, he's, he's, a, he's already said, you should come work for me. Your brother's the best chef I've ever, I've ever known. Right. <laughs> like, why, I want why you would I help so why you? why would he help him? <laughs> I, have, I really have no reason right. to, to help you, but I'm going to act like I'm helping you right now. Um, he's like Littlefinger... Littlefinger gives Ned Stark, uh, Game of Thrones, exactly the right advice. <laughs> it's more in the book yeah. than in the than in the show. But he tells him exactly what he should do, knowing that Ned Stark won't do it. Right, mm. including you yeah. shouldn't trust me. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> Ned Stark completely trusts him. You know, and then he, What's he tells that him, great "I told line? you you shouldn't that's have trusted great... me." That's fantastic because there's that means I'm. I'm going to swindle you because this is my best interest, but I'm going to be honest about it. So really, it's really your fault. Yeah, right. <laughs> and like, and like, it was a great, uh, uh, there's a uh, Delbert McClintock song. Was it McClintock or McClinton? Song uh, called The Rub. And it's got this great line where he says, I might mislead you, but I'll never lie to you. And I said, well, hell, that's the way it ought to be. <laughs> So yeah, that's exactly what happens there. And so then we get into the movie becomes this kind of waiting for Godot that we know is not going to pan out. It's not a... We're not actually wondering if he's going to show up because we're pretty sure he's not yeah, going to show no up. there's no tension around that, um, which no. is kind of a weird thing about Like if, As soon as guests start showing up and nobody's worried about when Louis... I mean, they send uh, Mark Anthony out uh, to to look for him. But then they just start having a great party. I mean, the, and, and, and then the great party becomes its own thing. Yeah. And then by that point, they don't care. Louis Prima is on the stereo. So why... We don't really need Which is them. good. Like, if you showed time. up to a restaurant, would you want to hear your own records on the... Right. <laughs> like, it's not really... It's a bit much, you know. You're playing soup in a sandwich? Really? Okay. <laughs> it's like Mary putting on Buffalo Gals when George comes over. Like, <laughs> right. It's kind of cloying. <laughs> but it's interesting when Primo's left, Secundo has basically isolated him from all of the business decisions so that he can both be an artist and also be at his, you know, maybe subconsciously at his mercy, you know? Well, he can't it's involve. Like, like, he knows he can't involve Primo in any business decisions because he won't budge. Right, right. There's no. You won't budge no on wiggle anything. there. So it's basically saying, yeah, no, we have to do this. And so once it's funny how it's interesting to me how Primo is uh, just really disaffected by all of it until he realizes, okay, well, this is it, and then he kind of gives into the moment. Then he becomes fun, you know. He becomes like 
it's a party. Don't worry about it, you know? Well, he's in love, you know. He's also in love. And you know what? As, and they don't spend a lot of time on this romance, but I really love, <laughs> I really love it. I love Allison Janney in this movie. I think she's, the way she watches him when he's talking, especially when he's stumbling and not, it's, it's really great because it's not like, oh, isn't he great? Not, she's not puppy dogging on him, but she's totally, again, the women in this movie know what they're looking at. Nobody is ever fooled or or miss a wrong about the men that they're that, that are talking to them. They have them sized up. They know it for night. That's why I, I, I really love the women in this movie. And I think it doesn't get cited as much um, um, for that fact. I think. Can I make an observation um, about the romantic pairings yes. in this movie? So I, 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 sure. I put in my um, notes, the Heights, which uh, is not a reference to Mark Anthony's uh, next acting credit in the (laughs) Lin-Manuel Miranda film. Uh, But uh, I found it interesting. Isabella Rossellini. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Isabella Rossellini, five foot eight, romantically paired with Ian Holm, five foot five. (laughs) Right? Oh. Got Minnie Driver, five foot ten, paired with Stanley Tucci, five foot eight. And then you got Allison Janney, six foot, six footer against Tony Shalhoub, five foot ten. So all three romantic pairings, the woman is taller than the man. That's something you see very often uh, no. in a movie. And I, now all, yeah, that's really cool because, now I heard that just this week that Minnie Driver was actually a replacement Um uh, Ian Holm and and Minnie Driver were both last minute replacements. Uh, well, I don't know if she was last minute, but Mary Louise Parker was going to play that role. Okay, of Phyllis, and then she ended up either dropping out or beginning to and, Min, and Minnie Driver stepped in. Much to think, but I'm wondering if that's that's the the case because that thematically makes a lovely sense. Uh, makes lovely sense, and I think that the guy that Ian Holm was. Mary Louise Parker, five foot eight. So she would have been uh, about even with Stanley Tucci. Okay. So I'm glad that it's funny uh, how one more reason that we're glad many drivers in the, in the movie, they didn't make (laughs) her walk in a trench. Like apparently they did for goodwill hunting because she was so much taller than (laughs) Matt Damon. (laughs) No, no, let her, let her be. Well, in, in, in a, in a, in a skeezy sort of way, it played into you know Ian Holm going when when she leaves because she's so much. I mean, it's just two inches, but she she has so much bigger presence than than uh, um, Stanley Tucci. She almost looks you know um, that she and uh, when he when she leaves the kitchen, Ian Holm says, "Oh, American girls <laughs> like this, like they're these, like they're these, like they they're, they're so much." Bigger, you get more women, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ian Holm knows what his deal is, you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Pascal, he doesn't even that's mind, true. you know. He knows he doesn't even mind that uh, that she's fucking around on the side. I respect that, you know. He's yeah. like, eh, he's like yeah. whatever. I'm getting what I need. She's getting what she needs. We're cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the cast is great cast. Uh, Mark Anthony, <laughs> I, mentioned, uh, I thought Mark, Mark Anthony was really good. Uh, uh, Campbell Scott yeah. is the car salesman in that scene where he's showing the Cadillac. He cracked me mm-hmm. up. He he got my biggest laughs. Yeah, um, 
in that yeah, scene. Absolutely. His, his readings on that. It's weird because he's he's so pleasant and languid that you almost think he's would be not a good casting for a car salesman, yet he pulls it off. So my another another line that I love that I've always loved, I thought it was just a throwaway line that now I realize is thematically tied again, is that great moment where he goes, uh, she, he goes, what happened? I hurt my hand. How? I have no idea. <laughs> I know. That's such a, that's my, that's my favorite line of the movie. That's the funniest line of the movie. And I know it always made me go, well, did Campbell Scott actually break his hand and that's, they just worked it in or is it thematic? Cause I think in some production stills, he doesn't have it, <laughs> but like, so, so I go, do they really cast his hand up just for that? But if you think about it, that's what Secundo's doing. He's hurting. He didn't say I broke my hand or, or my hand was got broken or, or, or however. He said, I hurt my hand. How? I, I don't know. <laughs> and I think that's what Secundo's doing. He's hurting himself. He's hurting his brother. He's hurting his family. But how? I, I, he can't see how he's doing it, you know? So Sorry. one more great performance among many. It's a, it's a deep cast in this yeah. movie. Um, but I think there's one bad performance. There's one performance I don't think works. Okay. Can you, can you guess who it is? I have a couple people I'm afraid of, but yeah, okay. go ahead. Ian Holm. That's what I thought. So when you say that he was a last minute <laughs> casting, I'm like, well, they didn't give him time to learn the accent because that's the least, yeah, he's <laughs> that's the least convincing Italian accent I have ever heard in any movie ever. Like by yeah. a mile. Yeah. Like, uh, it's like it would have been better if they didn't even, <laughs> even try. Like just don't write him as an Italian character. I mean, Tony, Tony Shalhoub pulls that off pretty Tony well. Tony Shalhoub of and, Lebanese you know, uh, descent, yeah. uh, Lebanese, second yeah. generation Lebanese immigrant. Um, I yeah. I might have learned that from the Muslim American uh, Muslim American Museum of uh, mm-hmm. Dearborn, Michigan. Even though he's uh, they're Lebanese Christians, but still they like they would put that in there. Like the fact that he's Lebanese. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They would claim him. Um, uh, yeah, he's a very well, he's plays he plays Luigi in the Cars movies. So if that doesn't right. that doesn't tell you how authentic, probably because of probably because of it, Big, it, Big it Night, may, it could be or just because yeah. like he's good and he can do it. Um, just like uh, 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 shoot, who's the guy who um, played uh, Ben Kingsley? The guy who played Ben Kingsley? No, um, the guy. Oh, that was Ben Kingsley. <laughs> uh, Ree Perlman's husband, who... Uh, not, uh, Danny not, DeVito? Uh, her, on Cheers. <laughs> her character's husband on Cheers. Oh. Uh, what's that guy's name? I don't remember her husband. He's in Buckaroo Banzai, which I just saw. Um, Ooh. He's, uh, he's the con man in Adam's family. He's always played sleaze balls with Five O'Clock Shadow. Dan Hidea? Yeah, Dan Hidea. Yeah. Dan Hidea? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's Jewish and always plays Italians. It's kind of like that. Right, exactly. What are you going to do? Open a bar? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's an intona- intonation game holdover. <laughs> what, which one was that from? I don't remember. That was from Running Scared. Okay. The, uh, one guy. Well, actually, that was Billy Crystal doing Dan Hidea. So. <laughs> Uh, so, so Ian Holm, does, is it just the accent? Uh, well, the piano pantomime is also the worst piano pantomiming I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't it, even move his fingers it, on the keys. Well, they left that too long on him for that because the the the, past, the music is very beautiful, but it's a singular. 
it's like a it's like a one thing melody, so it's it's very particular. Do 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 do. So if you just got him there like laying around, eh, I kind of blame the editor for that one. But right, um, also, like he doesn't yeah, have so to be playing the piano and scene. Like just write something, write something he can do. Just like you know, work with what right. you got. But I, I I wondered like, is this an intentional thing? Like the whole thing is that he's a phony, right? He. Right. Uh, is, is is the fact that he can't do the accent and can't play piano is this like is this a goof is this on purpose or I I, I was trying to figure out like if that was part I, of the deal or like so, he just seems like he should be able to do it and then it turned out he couldn't I just found out that he was um originally going to be played by this Italian actor whose name escapes me for a moment but he, I think the only thing we would really know him from was um, he was in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace as like some informant or whatever. Okay. But um, he's a like a classical, uh, well, not classical, but he's a famous Italian actor. And he dropped out. And so they got Ian Holm at the last minute. Now. Not very Italian. I think you're right. Not very Italian. British, right. Not very Italian. We got a Lebanese man playing Italian. We got a, Brit- a British man playing Italian. We Mark got, Anthony, who's you know, uh, uh, um, Hispanic, uh, right? But Latino. he's Christian. But they all they all fit except for in home. But in home, I think I love Ian Home personally. So I can't. I, I love him as an actor. I love him as a screen presence. I don't want a crossword said about him, but. Uh, and but you can totally say it. I was just saying, just speaking of my passion. But it is it is a, it is a ridiculously augmented performance, and it's it's so heightened that I did have trouble with it. On the I, I kept wondering the first time I saw the movie, are all the Italians okay with this? <laughs> <laughs> I was worried. I was like, I was like, are they are they okay with with this? But at the same time, you're exactly right. He's a phony. He's a phony who's comp, who, who's, he's a little man pretending to be so much bigger and he has to be big. And so his famous line that always gets quoted, the side your teeth into the ass of life, you know, is, is on bigger than Gary Oldman in the professional. I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> and yet, I don't know. And that that's fit, hard to do. Movie. <laughs> right. And I, again, that's, that's a, a kind of, hugeness of performance that I actually love. I love Gary Oldman in that movie. And like, um, I don't think it's too over the top. I think it's beautifully over the top. (laughs) And um, it's a parody of American movie villains. And it's, I love it. And so he's doing this, I think, I think because I think maybe if I, if I were to blame money on it, I would say that Ian Holm purposely would push that big because he wasn't, so good at the accent because he's like, I'm obviously not Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it fits the character. So let's just go big. I'm sorry. I've, I've never and, heard um, an Italian accent before. What's that like? I don't, I'm not familiar. Right. Exactly. Not familiar. But then there are two moments that I think are probably more, but there are two moments of this Italian minstrel show. <laughs> or whatever, or this Italian, you know, this Italian uh, clown act that he's doing. There are two moments that I think are perfection. So, and and that's that's when he. Um, why have I just forgotten the? Oh, oh, it's in the the rain inside, rain outside, scene, where they can't communicate over just small talk. 
when when he goes, it's going to be when they're trying to figure out what the rhyme is for it's red outside than rain outside. And he goes, <laughs> that's because it can't rain inside. And they have that whole back and forth where they just can't communicate. And then there's this long silence. And Ian Holm just has the best what the fuck in the business. It's my favorite what the fuck ever said. We're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> just, I love it. It's, and then Tony Shalhoub perfectly picks up on it to, to, to keep going. It's it's beautiful. Maybe um, their research for the Italian accent was just Joe Pesci and Goodfellas, and so right. <laughs> maybe was that. So we got to do the was that, the scene where the, you can't right. make a joke with this guy. You got to yeah, right. And, and I figured that was just a crafted thing. I read something today that made it seem like that was an improvisation that went south, and that you can kind of see Stucci kind of go, oh no. Like, looks down, like, we're going to have to cut. And then Ian Holm saves it with that. But I, I don't like to think of it that way because it's, it seems too magical uh, to be... Uh... Anyway, the other part is when Isabella Russolini spills, you know, stands for truth and says, no one was ever coming tonight. Thank you for the best meal I'll probably ever have. And she leaves, and Primo just stares at Ian Holm, and his shrug is just perfect. Yeah. So one of my this you know, what do you what do you expect? <laughs> you knew all the time. You 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 knew. Yeah. You had you know you had me figured a long time ago. So yeah, yeah whatever is great. So I forgive a lot of that Italian clown act <laughs> <laughs> um, because a it works with the film and two it's fun. It's a fun performance. It is fun. It's. Um, it is um, fun. It does feel yeah, like sometimes so not he's accurate. in a different movie from everybody else. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But now, if this were, <laughs> if this were him uh, uh, playing a black man, maybe I'd feel different. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, Italians. I don't know why I make I that distinction. I don't but no, fault it was... him for attempting it. That's not my problem. Yeah. When you it's, had on uh, your notes the one like bad me. performance, I went oh. I bet it's at home because I can't think of anyone else you would ever think that about in this movie. <laughs> so I was expecting I was gonna, when you said you had this. I go if I say Pascal and you come out and say Tony Shalhoub, I'm gonna I, I, oh, I don't know no, what's gonna he's, happen. He's really he's good. <laughs> so much we've talked about uh, already kind of sums up a lot of these other things that points I had here. Other than just say I, I brought up the eggplant scene in the beginning because Stanley Tucci's uh, outburst of rage. Of just of him saying, you know, maybe, 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 maybe my brother was wrong. Hey, what do you know? Maybe my brother was wrong. Ever think about that? And how he lays all that out on her and throws everything. That's to me, that's one of the most realistic rage outbursts I've ever seen. I felt, I felt like I, I really knew him in that moment. And then Phyllis's response is the best response to that sort of thing is, I think you need some time to yourself. <laughs> I think you need to be alone. I was surprised she showed up uh, that night anyway after the fight they had in the back seat. Like, you know, it's like right. it's, I don't even know how she knew about the party. That's one flaw. How did she know? If he didn't call her, how did she know he didn't it, arrange yeah. Yeah, that's right. the Leah Prima thing until after that date went south? So how did she and even she know? She shows up kind of like acting like the fight didn't happen. She's there for no, him. She's she, trying well, to, you know, she wants to be supportive. She knows this is a big deal. How she knows, we don't know. Well, she <laughs> said, he said, the first thing he saw when he saw her, he said, I didn't call you. 
as a way of saying, yeah, I was a I jerk and I felt bad about it. And then she said, and I, I didn't call you. And that was basically saying, look, it's not, I'm part of this too, right? Yeah. She's like, I'm, it's not a, it's, you aren't everything in this relationship, okay? Right. <laughs> I also did not call you. Right. I, I thought that was very lovingly simple and easily to be dismissed by men <laughs> <laughs> or not seen by uh, for what it is. Yeah. So many great reactions to food. Like this movie has, has when you, if you read anything about this movie, it always talks about how the food is so gorgeous. You're going to leave hungry. The, this is a great, this is going to be always thought of with that, that grouping of food movies that came out about this time. Like all these movies sitting around food, like eat, drink, man, woman, chocolate, all these things like this, but I don't think this movie really like gazes at the food that much. It, it it's 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 weirdly distant from it. It does a couple of times, yeah, and it does look great. Uh, and Timpano will never not be talked about after this movie. It's still what everyone just goes on. There's, there's you can't you can't not. Um, uh, overestimate the impact it's had on both <laughs> on cuisine and 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 food lovers if I got kind of gross. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite looking thing. I've always w- I didn't want any. <laughs> I've always wanted to make it. The, yeah, the hard boiled eggs kind of like whoa, whoa. Um I've always wanted to make it. I think my, our friend Hallie and I have always said that's what we we want to we want to we want to do that someday. Uh but uh and there's lots of video, even binging with Babish who I watch a lot on YouTube. He does it. Um uh, but I've I've never tried it because it does it's a pain in the ass. It doesn't even look right. It doesn't even look that good. <laughs> but it's something new. It's something different. You can see how it's like. Oh, this is this is special. This is an event. I mean, it does coming out look like a, like a big scrotum. <laughs> I always thought it looked like a like a giant like like a giant scrotum. And I was like, really? That's what we're the big big reveal. That everyone's going nuts for. But well, I've never. I also I've never. Eaten scrotum prepared in the uh, yeah. style of a bruzo, so I don't, I, I don't, you know. yeah, yeah, I don't know. But it is, but it is certainly an event. It's, 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 it's something new. It's something all encompassing, and I, I love it. About, I still, I'm fascinated by it, even the, uh, still. Um, but yeah, it's I, the movie's more about the the restaurant. It's more about the itself, the working in a restaurant, the experience of being in one and working in one and one, trying to get one to stick around more than it is about the food itself. So I've always kind of giggled that it's always considered a food movie when it's... Well, it, it treats food really as more... artistry, right? Like, you know, and... The, right. and but it doesn't actually watch the... the you don't really see that that much. No, but, you know, like, so, yeah. uh, when the guy is trading his paintings for the food, I, you know, right. I think that's um, a, a poignant yeah. uh, moment in, in a sense that Primo sees his... Cuisine yeah. the same way this guy sees his painting. The key difference being you can survive by eating the food and you can't survive by eating <laughs> the painting. Right. Right. You can't actually live off the there's painting a, you just got. There's a cut in this movie that I never noticed until now. They cut from the timpano where he says all you know, all great things of life. And then they cut to they're they're making the they're making the the assembling the timpano to the in that montage. And they have after saying it's all the great things in life, and then it cuts from there to one of those artist paintings on the wall, and it's zooming out from that painting, and it's a painting of a guitar, I think, 
And then it cuts to Secundo and um, Phyllis dancing. And it's all great things. And I found that to be especially moving this time. I just thought they were finding transitions, you know, just like throwing them up, whatever, just filler. But they all, that's, that's the thing that I think a lot of people forget when they're watching film is that you have to make a choice when you shoot something and you have to make a choice to when you put them together and you are making these choices on purpose, whether, and just your level of attentiveness to it is well, how good a filmmaker you are. But like each, they didn't just throw that in just to throw it in. They, they had, they was like, well, if I need to make a cut, what are we going to say? And they have, they put that in. And I thought that was especially meaningful this time was they're drawing the comparison between the Pitapano painting Dancing, all art, all, all the great things of life. You know? Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, living. Right. Can you remember the the living. best meal you've ever had? Me? Yeah. I can. That's a great question. I give you my top I three. Can, I can give you my top three. Please. Okay. Please. Uh, one was from two years ago, um, before the pandemic. This place, Takoy in Detroit. Uh, it was a Thai fusion place, so it was like very modern. Food was amazing. Uh, had a couple old fashions, which were kind of newfangled. Um, went with uh, my sister, sister-in-law, mother-in-law, and another friend. Great meal. Um, number two was in Barcelona. First time I was publicly drunk with mm. Seymour. Um, so these are just uh, good drinking times. <laughs> <laughs> right, right by the sea. Right. It had a lot of sangria and lots of octopus, lots of seafood, um, uh, freshly caught, amazing mm. tapas meal. And then number one was with our mutual friend Zarina in Alexandria, Egypt, mm. uh, where uh, again fresh caught seafood. Where we like we first go into the kitchen in this back room, which was all kind of dimly lit. But, like, they had the buckets right there, and you, like, point out what buckets you want, like, which catch you want to eat. And, like, we just, like, kept picking for uh-huh. buckets. And um, and so we're, you know, in Egypt, a Muslim wow. country, uh, alcohol. The alcohol is not flowing. If you're American and you've got money, you can get it. But Zarina um, uh, does not partake, and so we did not. But the food was so good that I felt I got drunk off of eating the food. Like, I just kept eating. It just uh. kept coming, and they kept bringing course after course. And it was, like, unbelievable how good it was. And, like, I, I, I got that drunk high off of just eating this amazing food. That's, that's number one. Wow. And so they all have that in common, whereas oh, so Secundo or Primo, I forget which one, uh, says like they're drunk. We should start feeding them, and then like, they're like disappointed right. <laughs> that they're already drunk and like it's not they're, they're not going to appreciate right. the food not... properly. But there is something about like the the dancing and the laughter and like that's what, the other thing right. that these all have in common. It, it wasn't just me in a monk like experience, like meditating over the flavors and the food. It was a social event, you know. Like yes, there's, yes, there's, there's yes, something yes. about like you need to unlock something bigger within yourself to like to to touch god through this food like it's not just yes that's beautiful you know and that's that's what primo is not getting that's why he's until he figures out to, to make the connection with with uh, alice and Janie that like he has to learn how to communicate through his food he has to learn how to communicate yeah. his love you know 
um, I'm giving this as a gift to you, not just as a gift to God. Yes. That then I suffer that you, the Philistine, eat even though you don't appreciate it properly. <laughs> right? And I, exactly. That's a beautiful way to put, that's, that's beautiful. I love that. Uh, I also I love Alice and Janie's reaction to when she, he gives her a taste from the pan. Right. And how she's just like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> she's a little, you know, she's a little yeah. orgasm uh, yeah, your exactly. reaction there. I, well, I didn't even take it that way, yeah. but that last one certainly is where she's just like, has to pull herself together, like, oh. But then he's like, yeah, to eat food, good food is to be close to God. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he comes out. He comes out of, he's also in himself, the, all those other scenes. And then when she comes into the kitchen, then he opens up and is like suddenly enjoying the process of making this for someone. Right. People who want a side of spaghetti, you know. It's like he's seeing for the first time, like who. Yeah, exactly. And that's the beauty of the last shot, you know, is is, it's Stanley Tucci. It's, It's Secundo communicating through food. Like here, I... Yes, you know, and it's simple. It's just eggs and bread. You know, it's it's yeah. It's uh, that's how I do scrambled eggs. I don't put a lot of shit in it. I don't put cheese in there. No. You know, you whip it up good and you cook it right, yeah. and it's just fluffy. You don't even put good. milk or anything in no, it. No, I don't put milk right in my there, scrambled yeah. eggs. You just it's just eggs. You yeah. just gotta you know put some care into how it's being cooked, and it's good. Just yeah. a hunk of bread. You just tear it off, and the fact that he sets that plate out for for his brother. Like that's all he needs to say is I'm I'm nourishing yeah. you right now with this. I'm nourishing you. you There's, like whatever whatever is between us does not trump what has always been there for us. And um, that 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 scene, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cr- I'm crying right now because yeah, I can't see this movie without the, me being a complete fucking mess at the end of the movie because this this last shot, you can call it scene or shot or whatever of. Is my favorite last shot ever seen of any movie. This oh, is my favorite. It's a good one. Very good one. And uh, and it's a it's a famous one. And I think originally I'd never famous... I'd never heard of it before. So I didn't... really yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's fame. It's, uh, the tempano did not uh, reach my ears before. Right. Either. So you know. But this, the, you know, this when, when people think about Big Night, they think of tempano and they think of this last shot. And and um, they usually go because this was about the time when. And filled with like, oh, you get to watch him, you get to actually watch him make eggs for like five minutes. And like that alone got people excited. And it's like, well, you know, used to they'd call that boring. <laughs> but there's some <laughs> scenes where they, these wordless scenes, not just the last scene, but there's some wordless scenes where you really beautifully see how they all relate to each other. Like after Primo learns that uh, um, Pascal set up this meeting and Secundo is trying to rewrite, you know, is gaslighting him and saying, no, I told you this. Yeah. Right. You know, Primo storms off and goes to Alberto, the barber, to cool off. And Secundo's in there kind of managing things. He's taking over for the chef. And then when he comes back in, if you watch that, I, I now realize how masterful that scene is. That scene is is these actors beautifully like showing I'm protecting things. I'm protecting things. And then the person comes in who abandoned the place and then he's still doing it. And then the guy kind of casually kind of just checking everything, touching everything and how they slowly come over and 
um, Secondo acquiesces, kind of moves back to the sous chef position. The transition of him shifting from the guardian to the sous chef is truly masterful, I think. Mm. And how they're kind of they're kind of showing how we know our roles here. I need you to do your role, and uh, I know I lied to you, and I know all this stuff, but we need to do that. And how they just act, it all just beautiful. It's beautiful, right. and then the end. You know, yeah, we watched Stanley Tucci make eggs. We watched the whole process because it's the whole process that has meaning. And then he's nourishing Cristiano. And yeah, that that beautiful I mean, when he when he puts his arm around him and when Tony Shalhoub puts his arm around Secondo, I yeah, I, I lose my I become waterworks, of course. <laughs> and just that simple act is like, you know, no no and that, and that that to me, you know, I'd written out some dumbass copy to read. <laughs> where I was trying to go through all the things that this movie is, but at its heart, it's really about brothers. And it's really about how they, despite anything and everything, they are always will be there for each other. And I think it's beautiful. And, it's just a beautiful and movie. When they have their big fight on the beach, they're going to fight in a way where they're obviously not actually trying to hurt each other. They're just trying to show how they yeah, feel. It's, it's the most, it's the most, yeah, it's the most pathetic Fight, but also you don't. It doesn't really. You don't really want to hurt. You're just like we're just mad. Yeah. I mean, I mean to to look at this and know that this restaurant is over. It's it's done. It's failed. And are they going to go back to Italy? Are they going to try to do something else? Are they going to go work for Pascal? We don't know. But none of that matters. All that matters is that they are okay. You know, whatever happens, they're okay. They're part of each other. Just the way the food they make. What makes cuisine different from any other art form is you put it into your body, you know, right. you give it to somebody exactly. and they put it into their right. body, you know, and it becomes, literally becomes part of you. Part right. Of yeah. Mm-hmm. Fills the hole inside their gut. <laughs> now we did, we did talk about this scene first, but the beach scene is so important. Specifically, I want to talk about Phyllis's uh, uh, dip in the ocean. So she's caught them on the toilet, Secondo right. and, uh, uh, Isabella, Gabriella, sorry, Isabella. Rolini. In a clearly familiar pose, not like this isn't just oh, I kissed someone. Yeah, they are clearly this is a long thing. He's gone to her for comfort instead of Phyllis. Let's just yeah. say I really identify with Phyllis, and from my past experience, I really identify with Phyllis in this moment. The first time I saw this movie, I was kind of confused by the last scene. I kind of thought it was a uh, her her last scene. I was confused. I, I kind of, I was very young, and I kind of thought this was very Ophelia-like, you know? Hmm. Very like, she's gone crazy because her man doesn't, is having an affair. But she's not gone crazy. In fact, now, the line that sticks with me more than any other line from this movie since the beginning is her final line, her, I'm not here anymore. And yep. that has haunted me my whole life. And I used to think that meant that she's lost herself because of what he did. But I, that's a completely wrong take on it, I think. But now, of course, I see it as it's like, I'm not here with you anymore because I'm not, I'm not part of this. Like she goes into yeah. the ocean and she I've comes just cleansed out. myself of you. Yeah. Yeah. I've, 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 yeah, I've done, I've, baptized, I've cleansed myself of you and all of this. Because I know this isn't good for me, and then she's playful when she comes out, like a new, like a newborn child. Right? She's smiling, yeah. She smiles, and she's kind of like, like, whoops, and then as soon as he starts trying to make excuses, she goes, "No, 
you don't, you're not doing that. I'm not here anymore. And then she leaves and it's, it's amazing. And then when she, and the other part that I was confused by at first was Primo. He, she passes Primo and Primo sticks his hand out like to try to touch her face. And then she runs from him. And then it's Cristiano that she meets and Cristiano does the only, is the only person in this walk of hers that is selfless. Right. I mean, it's kind of the standard chivalrous thing to do, but she's cold. He recognizes she's cold and wet. So he takes off her jacket, gives it to him, and it's Cristiano who she embraces and then leaves because he rec- he saw her, right? And so yeah. where no one else did. Because he needs to know. What's that? He's Martha that- He needs to know. <laughs> I wish I knew his discography that I would <laughs> laugh Ed McMahon style and that's everything his, you said. That's his big hit. I need to that's know. Yeah. I need to know. Oh, that's right. I know. Yeah, 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 Tell yeah. Tell me, baby girl. Know. Yeah, in fact, you know, Cristiano, I, I realized in this view, last viewing, he actually has a couple of lines. And when I found out that he had lines, I was a little disappointed because I always liked how he was just there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went, oh, no, he's got some lines. Darn it. I, that breaks my... Uh... <laughs> I should be happy he's got lines. Nice job, Cristiano. Yeah, nice job. He's good, he's good at it. He's, he, I, didn't, I had no idea. He the floor, Cristiano. That's one of his lines, isn't it? He's, I think one of his lines is, yes. He wants to compliment. Uh, th- thank you, Cristiano. And he's yeah. like, thank you, Cristiano. Yeah. Now, he's very good. Stand it's up it's surprising he's not in more stuff. Or any, right? He's just in, oh, he's in the, in the Heights, right? He's in a few things. Carlito's Way, Man on Fire, Bringing Out the Dead. He's in Carlino Way. Hackers. The Substitute. Oh, The Substitute. <laughs> El Cantante. Yeah. Anyway, this movie is, for, for being, you know, for, for being a, such a, um, a, I think this is a very, very fun movie, and that's what I think about a lot, and yet it's also so steeped in melancholy and is also like just a forced descent into failure, <laughs> inevitable failure, but I... I, I get such joy from it every time, and it feels like a, a joyous movie. My favorite line reading, when everyone's eaten and everyone's so stuffed they can barely move and they're laying on tables and the camera's just panning over them there, they show this one woman who has no other lines in the movie. I think she came with the car dealer or she came with the greens guy. She's a blonde woman and she's just sitting there and she's propped her head up on her, her drunk head up on her hands. And as the camera reaches her, she just bursts into tears and says, <laughs> my mother was a terrible cook. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't realize how much of life I was missing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. It's not, it's not trying to say that, you know, mothers should be all just learn that it's all they should cook. But yeah, it's that feeling. I did not know that this was here. I did not know how much of life I was busy. It's such a pure expression. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we could have done it instead of track marks. We could have done name the meal or food item. (laughs) And then you have to identify the movie that it comes from. Oh, okay. Well, we'll have to do that. Like food marks. It has raisins. (laughs) You like raisins. You like raisins. Which I I don't, I was just looking up the quote. They don't say the name of the. Meal, unfortunately. No. I was trying to think of one where I could... Taste like baby. Like, yeah. There's a, is there a braid in here? Like, why, uh, what's the line? I don't remember. Can't remember what the movie is. There's something where there's a braid in, up like a pie. 
Well, that's a Mr. Show episode, right? Oh, With that's hippie right. Pie. Yeah, that's heavy right. hippie pie. It's like, hippie I get pie. the brain. That's right. Okay. I'm not prepared for this. I didn't... Uh, <laughs> so, they're I hard. Really I'm, still trying to, I'm still trying to come up with quoted quotables. They're, they're not coming. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> well, anything else you want to say about Big Night? Anything else that's uh, on your mind? No. Um, uh, good movie. Fun movie. It's definitely like an experienced movie, like you say. It's, it's, it's not about the propulsion of the plot. Like, it doesn't... There isn't much intrigue over whether Louis Prima is going to show up or even why they're keeping the fact that he's Pascal's alleged friend from Primo. Like none of that actually matters to the movie very much or the experience of it. It's, it's, it is really Mm -hmm. mostly about the performances and, and, uh, and, and the themes and, uh, and I, I liked it. It was a good movie. Solid pick. Um, yeah, I, I I I don't love it as much as you, but I can definitely see why you do. So, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for getting me to watch it sure. in a guilt-free way. <laughs> there you go, in a less um, obnoxious way, I would also say. Um, <laughs> the, 1996 was actually a pretty great year for movies. I have to say, the this big night ha- has was quickly in my top ten of all time, and. It's uh, resoundingly here at number eight, snugged in between Raiders of the Lost Art and Wally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but number six on this on my top ten is also from 1996, which oh, is wait. Sling Bride. Sling so, Bride. Which I believe. That's my number one, and yeah. I've been afraid to watch it lately because I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid of giving it the opportunity to slip out of number one. Like I don't want to see something in it. You know, I since since the whole actually I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, my attitude towards Billy Bob Thornton changed um, uh, about ten years ago or whenever all that stuff happened. Which stuff was Would that? You asked that question to Tom Petty, oh. and you oh. know, falling out with Angelina Jolie. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time it's ago. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. It lives big in my memory. I'm afraid. I'm it, afraid it, to be disappointed uh, by it. I watched it again a few years ago. It still holds up. Uh, it's good. It, it works well. Yeah, my this year, you had Sling Blade, then Big Night, Got a Cookery, Scream, Fargo. I mean, it just goes on. How That was a great, pretty good year for studio and independent a, movies. It was a great, pretty good year. Pretty good year. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you're making fun of me for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, it's getting late, my friend. Okay. Energy might be distant. The the blood sugar crash right. might be happening as we. Maybe it's time to move on to the digestivo. Digestivo. We we talked the end uh, scene too early. We peaked too early. <laughs> Didn't give us a good far. But well, but who wrote the outline for this episode? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Well, if you want to write to us to talk about how we where we should have ended it, then you can write to us at you watched it wrong at happypanet.net. We're also on Twitter at you watched it wrong. That's you with a U, like you haul, but don't put the haul in, just put the you watched it wrong. But our Facebook page is spelled correctly. We're also most active on Letterboxd. Uh, Siggy here is Siggy Lama, and I am two G's, Kanye. two L's, one M. Two G's, two G's, two L's. 
S-I-G-G-Y-L-L-A-M-A. There's technically two A's, but you don't want to say double, you don't want to get them Sorry, I'm just belaboring the point. And I'm Carney of Steel. And if you use a steel utensil to scrape the eggs out of your Teflon pan, you spatched it wrong. That's not very... That's fine. That's vaguely... It's vaguely, vaguely related. Appropriate. If, um, oh. I really doubt they're using Teflon uh, in their 1950s authentic no. Italian <laughs> kitchen. And if you put out an official Big Night cookbook following the success of the movie... Included the scrambled eggs you make at the end of the film, but not the timpano. You published it wrong. <laughs> that they did. They they put that out and didn't put. Really? They put out a big night cookbook and and didn't didn't put in the timpano because it's a secret family Tucci recipe. It was a secret recipe, but why would you put out a big they night cookbook just, and not put the thing? They could just. <laughs> Just list the steps that are right. they show in the movie. Just like list those steps. Nobody's going to be able to make it right anyway. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> They're going to give up halfway through. Like ah, oh, I'm not making this Italian scrotum sack anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it seems sm- sm- it's smoother and rounder than what I'm familiar with, but I got. Also, the color is uh, <laughs> no, not the healthiest. Not. Um, are, you, are you saying I should see a doctor? <laughs> okay, yeah, you might want to, especially right. if only one <laughs> exactly. looks like that. <laughs> no, well, I haven't, I haven't taken the other one off because that <laughs> one's for Louis Prima. <laughs>